Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited about this topic today. Kind of a different one. Me too. Well, we've been tossing this idea around for a long time now, and we both agreed to be a great show, and we're finally getting around to doing it. So Yeah. So that topic is, we're going to talk about the importance of other adults in our kids' lives, which sounds sort of like removed and clinical, but all we mean is your kid has a parent or two parents or three parents, but there's other adults in your community and in your kids' lives that are really important, and we think it's worth talking about. That's so true. And, you know, the whole it takes a village thing, I feel like we give that a lot of lip service, but we don't always actually, um, we being the general, <laughs> the yeah. global we, the royal we, uh, don't really dig into what that means. And actually, I don't know, it's like we say it, but do we believe it? I, I think we say it and we don't always support it. So yeah, yeah, ag- agreed. And not everybody lives with that village right built into their community anymore. Like, right you know, we'll get into this, but my kids don't have aunts and uncles down the street. Yours do. So we have different experiences with that. But I think it's worth thinking about what kind of relationships you want to help your kids cultivate with other adults, even if they don't go to grandma's every day after school or whatever the cliche might have been, you know. Yeah. And and I think we have this weird dichotomy where we want like we we glorify those outside relationships, but we're so individualist that we Mm -hmm. still put so much focus on like, you know, the the importance of the nuclear family and those parents. So it's like, and as moms, as moms, we kind of want to be the one and only, I mean, let's be honest, like it's a little hard (laughs) to admit, like your kid might gain something from someone else. That's not you. And it might even be better than what you could offer. That's, that that's a place you have to get Take to some confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I also want to tell everybody Katie joins me for a fun segment at the end and she hasn't been here for a little while. So stay, stay on with us at the end for that. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. 
I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place dot com code mom hour. All right. Um, let's get into this. So, Megan, yeah. I feel like this is one of those episodes where I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> and okay. sometimes, sometimes that happens just because your kids are older than mine. You have more of them. Um, and I Well, I, let's face it. Usually this happens <laughs> because you're the one who makes the, or, uh, the outline and you're a lot more organized than That's, me. So, Well, but sometimes <laughs> I have a lot to say. Sometimes I put okay. my own thoughts in the outline and sometimes I'm like, ooh, That's I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. Um, but you, I think you also, I think, have great um a variety of experience with your kids and your growing up about how this has played out um yeah so my first question I think it's always fun to start this way is do you remember when you were growing up any kind of special relationships or just other adults in your life that you just have really clear memories of as a kid of being influential so many so many um I mean I could go on and on and on but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a couple that might be surprising Mm -hmm. um because I think that we tend to think of those adults with like important relationships being someone who stays in that person's life sure into adulthood or as family members and right. so i'm going to throw out a few that are a little different than that um one was my first stepmother okay so i i've had two stepmothers one my dad remarried after he and my mom split up they were married for just a handful of years um and i have not seen her in probably mm, 27 years okay but 
that short period of time definitely made a big impact. And I remember a lot about she was a great seamstress and she made she mended and made things for me. And I learned she was an artist. I remember that. And I was young. I was like seven to ten. I think sometimes when we have especially when that kind of as a divorced mom who may at some point, you know, have a blended family Mm -hmm. of my own. It's nice to know that those relationships can last even yeah. if well the relationships don't last but the effect the impact yeah, can last yeah. i just that just feels good to me to know like if i end up knowing some kids that aren't mine yeah and it doesn't for whatever reason last forever that doesn't mean like my impact didn't count that's um, a really good point another one was a man named jim who went to our church and asked me when i was about uh, i don't know i want to say 11 if i would start singing with him in church so he and i would work on songs and then we would get up and perform them. And I don't remember his last name. I think if I thought really hard about it, I could probably think him up, think it up. I did reach out to him about 10 years ago and I don't remember how I found him. I, I want to say like I found his name in an old church directory online or something like something cuckoo like that. And mm-hmm. I emailed him and we did have like a nice little exchange and you know, he lives eight hours away from me. I'm probably never going to see the man again, but I've never forgotten him. And that was yeah. probably you know, that was like somebody who really identified me as having a love of music and some yes. talent. And then and for no reason, it's not he didn't owe me anything. I wasn't his right. student. He wasn't getting anything out of it. But he just kind of pulled me out and like gave me this this confidence and this sort of stage yeah. and this platform to do that. So that was like really cool. And even though it was short, I was I probably only really knew him for two or three years. Um, That has had a lasting impact and has impacted so many other things in my life. So those are just two examples. I, I could probably go on and on and on. No, I, I love those. I'll just mention one. But even as we're talking, I'm realizing this is such a helpful exercise to think about what kind of relationships you want for your kids, because mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I ever made that connection until we started talking about this. But the one I will mention, and like you said, there are many, but was um, our next door neighbors when I was ages eight. Well, I lived in that house until high school, but they moved away maybe five years later. So really only Mm -hmm. like a five year period. And they had two little girls who were a little younger than me. So I used to babysit the girls. I'm still in, in close contact with the girls. They have stayed friends, but their mom was a junior high English teacher. And I was, you know, an aspiring every English literature, everything writer, reader, (laughs) and same thing. Like she really, she, their house seemed so cultured and literary to me. And that is not a knock against the house I grew up in at all because my parents are very educated and cultured in their own way. But this house, it seemed like they were listening to classical music and reading Shakespeare and like all these sort of like things that in my mind seemed so cool and different. And she just, I feel like she knew that about me. She knew that I loved to read and poetry and Shakespeare and all through, even after they moved away from next year, I feel like she just kind of took that special interest in me. I remember her giving me a little gift before I went to college. Like just, I didn't have my, I have three aunts on my mom's side who I'm pretty close to, but they don't live nearby. So it was like that kind of almost like an aunt relationship. And just like you said, with music, somebody who identified in me something that probably was going to be a part of my whole life, writing and reading, um, and, and just was able to offer it or encourage it in a way that was different than my own parents. I also really quickly will say that this same second mother of mine put me in my place more than once in a way that only (laughs) 
um, only someone who feels close to you can do. Right. Um, and I deserved it. So that's another piece of this puzzle is you want adults in your kids' lives who will call them on their baloney, whether they're three and having a tantrum or 15 and acting like a snot like I was. Well, so. and because kids have to be able to get used to that, right? I remember yeah. when I was really little um, being devastated once because somebody who wasn't my mom, and I don't even remember who it was, like corrected me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like a big correction. I right. think I was, it might've been my aunt. And I think I was like, like, like kind of running into her legs in a really yeah. annoying way. And she was just like, <laughs> Hey, uh, knock it off. And yeah. I was like, what? I can't I, oh, she just, I re- like, yelled at me. Totally remember things like Getting that. Getting all too. weepy and stuff. But then that's a learn that's a lesson. Like mm-hmm. your children are going to deal with that throughout life, um, from teachers and bosses, and you need to get used to there being other people who have an opinion about your behavior. <laughs> yeah. And express it. And I think as moms, ideally we want that. Like we want other adults who are looking out for our kids' well being. I don't think we right. want other parents to berate our kid you know no we don't want they really deserve it just kidding (laughs) but we we want eyes and ears around the neighborhood we want there we want there to be those relationships where somebody can say hey you know that's not the right thing to do I saw you steal that cookie go ahead and put it back I would love other parents to say that to my kids in a supportive way you know so I think I think that's that's the goal um and so yeah okay well that was a fun little um fun to hear about now I have all these other ones in my head that I (laughs) that may end up coming up and I I was not planning on mentioning Carolyn at all till you started talking and that was the first one that came to my mind so it's fun um yeah yeah. um so I guess I thought we could talk a little about about why in the big picture why is this important maybe that sounds like a simple question but do you have thoughts to start us (laughs) off Well, you know, I was thinking about this recently and I realized that Clara really can't ride a bike. Um, She's almost nine and I was nine by the time I learned how to ride a bike Mm -hmm. for real. Like, so, but I felt like there was some failing on my part. Like I had that momentary, like why I can't believe I have this kid who's big and I haven't taught her how to ride a bike yet. And how can that be? And then I realized how many examples are there like that, that we put on ourselves? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe my kid doesn't know how to X, Y, Z. I can't mm-hmm. believe like um, I can't be the one to take my kid to gymnastics on you know Friday night. Therefore, she can't go or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And if you add up all the things in our lives that we would love for our kids to be able to do or know or learn um, or experience, and then we make those all our responsibility, mm-hmm. we like you can't. You'll run yourself ragged and you will always fail and you will yeah. always feel like you're failing. So either you'll your kids will miss out because they won't get to do stuff that um, they don't get to have those experiences or learn those things. Or you'll just be like a guilt ridden mess all the time. So I think like just this idea that it's OK. We've talked so many times about like outsourcing parenting, yeah. be, meaning someone out there is probably going to be better at something than you. Many things than mm-hmm. you. And or for whatever reason is more able at this moment in time to take care of that thing, Mm -hmm. whether it's because they have more free time and they can drive more than you can or whatever it is like there's just so many things like that our kids can benefit from um, that we don't personally have to be the ones to do all of it. We can't be the ones to do all of it. It's so funny that we even entertain the idea that we could, right? Isn't that like, it's almost absurd if you think about it. Like if you think of like a business or a company, like there's no, there's no company that would say like, well, we only need one person for these 72 jobs. Like that just, it doesn't make sense. Like, (laughs) and yet in parenting, we like have been sold this line that we are all important. Um, So think about it. If you were the CEO of a company and your job title was everything. 
It would be ridiculous. Yeah. Right? You right. wouldn't do it. You wouldn't be doing the job of running the company. Right. Right. You'd be running around putting out fires and feeling bad all the time and you wouldn't get anywhere. So, yes, we do it to ourselves and it's not logical. We know if we really sat yeah. down logically and thought about it, we would know how ridiculous it is. But it's insidious. It, it creeps in. It is insidious. And I'm going to even maybe point out a different side of it, which is a lot of moms, especially moms of young kids, kind of get our worth from what we're able to provide to our kids. And and sometimes yeah. that's because that is our sole focus. And so that is a that is a measure of our worth. It is not, I would argue, the only or the best measure of our worth. But all of a sudden, if we start to outsource or if we start to think, you know, I'm not the best one to have this conversation with my kid right. about XYZ or to yeah. teach my kid to ride a bike. Now, what has that done to like our job description and our self-worth? So it gets tricky. Like if we really, yeah. if we really do get our sense of self-worth from, you know, the big capital P parenting job we're doing, then that's tricky if we start to outsource yeah. it. So that's, that's like, it's all wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, no, I totally make sense. And I think for me, the, the, how I've personally learned to wrap my head around that is to really go in hard on the stuff I'm really good at. Yeah. <laughs> like really dig in on those things and not let those things go. The things I enjoy and the things I'm yeah. good at. And yeah. those aren't those aren't always the same, but often there is overlap because, you know, when you're good at something, it's fun, right? Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's yeah. Yes. And and also I'm really glad that you brought up having tough conversations because there's definitely a personality component to this and an emotional component. Like it's not just about a skill you have. It's about, you know, sometimes you're not going to be the best one to teach your kids something really stressful because it's going to stress you out yeah. and then you're going to, you know, maybe you're not the person for that job. Or maybe not because they're, you can't you're do not, it, uh -huh. but or because it's like not yeah. the right fit. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. I was going to say, yeah. or the one, um, you may not be the one they want to hear it from is the other thing. Like you or may that. be willing and able, but it is not, you're not the one that's going to be able to drive home the message in a way, some in, in the way somebody else might. Yeah. Yeah. No. And we mentioned homework earlier. I was just thinking about this earlier, how funny this is like, there's a reason middle school and high school isn't taught by one teacher anymore. You yes. know, you get through elementary school. Yeah. One teacher can handle most of it, but even then different teachers come in for specials, you know, yep. Yep. the idea that we could know even how to find out things about certain subjects and topics. It's just silly. To, I mean, it's silly to put that on ourselves. There's just no reason for it. So. That is so true. I, I've never thought about that analogy of sort of the specialists or specializing yeah. as you get older, but I love that. Well, I want to throw out a practical reason, and this is more for our listeners of little tiny kids, but if you're little tiny kids and I know they have separation anxiety and that you are the most important person in their life, and you and I both were very attached mothers, Megan, so we get it, but um, it's a great way to practice your little kids getting um, comfortable and trusting other adults mm. because it just makes life easier. We've talked a lot on the show about asking for help with childcare and how hard it is if you don't have family in town, you don't have a built-in sitter situation. Um, so all the more reason to have a variety of trustworthy adults that your younger kids can go to. And I, in our outline, I wrote the example of like, you know how three and four-year-olds can go to the bathroom by themselves, but they want someone to help wipe. I mean, most, right. most do. Yes. They will continue to ask for help wiping long beyond when they probably could do it themselves. Yep. It's just like a thing they do. So like how many adults is your four-year-old comfortable asking to help <laughs> wipe their hiney? And the right. more, the more they have, 
that the the closer knit that village is and that makes your life easier as a mom yes. you don't stress out as much when it's time to when you know if something comes up and you've got to get a last minute sitter if your kid is comfortable with the neighbor even if the neighbor is not someone that they see every day um it makes your life easier so child and then, care, your, and then yeah. your kid is kind of secure yes is important too. <laughs> and they don't have to worry about who's going to wipe their behind yes. um but no that's just a little a little example so um I mean, it's really normal if you if you don't know, it's really normal for little kids not to want to go to anyone but mom. So we've all been there. Right. Um, but I think if we're just zooming out and looking at the big picture, I think early motherhood is a great time to think, OK, who are the other adults in my in my stable of backups? And maybe it's yeah. the obvious like grandma and aunts and uncles, but maybe it's not as obvious. Maybe it's a neighbor who has already raised her kids but loves little kids. And it's just a matter of like stopping by her house once in a while. So your toddler gets comfortable, like little things, just thinking strategically. Yeah, no, that is a really, really good point. And it's, it is like you're setting yourself up for success by doing this, even though it sometimes feels unnatural at the beginning to let people in to that yeah. level or to, you know, it's like we always talk about ways to help a mom out. And we've many times said one of the best ways to help a mom is to let them help you. Yep. Because then you've opened the door to helping them. Like it's kind of that too. Like ask if you ask those other people to wipe the kid's butt, <laughs> they, you know, could feel kind of special. Uh, yeah. And then also, you know, now they know that if they have a similar situation and they need that kind of level of comfort and help, they can ask for it too. So I just yeah. feel like it's such a win, 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 win. Win, win, win. It's like one of those win wins just keeps bouncing back and forth, winning yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And I do think when your kids are little, this is a little murkier. Um, I think in the second half of the show, we'll get into specific types of adults like teachers and coaches and Boy Scout leaders. And when when you have babies and toddlers who are home with you all the time, it may not seem like there's obvious choices for this. And that's OK. I think it's just more of a mindset, like more of like waking up to the idea that other adults in your kids' lives are a good thing. And then just being mm -hmm. open, just being open that those relationships will present themselves. Um, another, another thing I wanted to touch on is, don't you feel like other adults sometimes see things in your own kids that you maybe don't appreciate? I, this is Absolutely. a big one. And it, yes. it can help, especially we talked about tweens recently and we've talked, you know, about older kids and teens, but um, I think sometimes people outside the family can see potential or see just really wonderful things about your kids, especially if you're kind of struggling in your relationship with that yeah. kid, if they're driving you crazy. Um, I think it can really help to have somebody from the outside just just drill right down to what's special about that kid. It's helpful. And also nothing feels as good as having another adult recognize something awesome about your kid and then yes. tell you about it. I yes. mean, whether that's coming from a teacher at a conference, um, which is why elementary school conferences are so awesome, <laughs> um, or whether that's coming just from someone who spends a lot of time around them with you or, you know, casually or whatever, it feels great. And it is insightful. You learn stuff that you maybe don't see when, you know, do you ever, have you seen the play Our Town? You know, is, not really. No, you're like, no. It. Well, I, I'm familiar, scene. but I don't, uh, not enough. There's a there's a scene in it and I was in it in high school. So it's been a very, very long time. But there's a scene where the mom this is I'm going totally tangent, like on a tangent here. But that's totally what fine. I do sometimes. Yeah. So this girl has died and then she like go like she di she's died, but she's somehow in the scene with her mom. Like and the mom doesn't see her. The mom is just like going about her business. Okay. And sort of the idea is like we get in these routines in our families and we're like and we're just working. We're just mm -hmm. doing the mom is making dinner. The mom is getting stuff on the table and the daughter was like, you're not looking at like, you're not seeing me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes this is like totally like out left field, but we get into those rhythms in our own homes where we just yeah. want to get stuff done. Yep. 
We just want to ask them, you know, when we sit down and talk to our kids. The question is, did you do your homework or did mm-hmm. you, you know, take the dog out? Not um, who are you? Yes. <laughs> what, what, what matters to you? Yeah. You know, because we think we know or we have so much time with them. We don't feel like it's urgent to ask right now. Like, we'll get to that later. Yeah. And when you're someone you're still know, like learning about, don't you feel like you ask more questions like that? Yes. Like, I feel more curious about people I don't know. So mm-hmm. I ask different questions and then I learn different things. It's just it's a very different dynamic and a very different kind of relationship when someone doesn't live in the same house with someone else. Yes, I totally agree. Thank and- you for thank you for the patience of letting me <laughs> no. like circle back around to my point. <laughs> I loved it. I love a good literary reference. You know that. OK, Um no, and there the other other adults don't have the baggage that you do with that kid. So right. you know the quirks of that kid don't drive them crazy. And so the I think especially in times of more you know maybe more relationship stress with yes. a kid, I think those outside adults can just come fresh, and that that's a benefit to the kid. It's also a benefit to you as a parent because you can kind of see your kid through fresh eyes. So I think that's I think that's a big benefit. Yeah, me too. Um. I guess I have one final thing to mention just in terms of why all this is important. And that is that I think as kids get more independent, they go from, you know, needing mom and dad all the time to being out in the world more. It's just really good for them to understand how to trust and relate to other people. And of course they need that with their peers and that's different. Um, but peers are, their peers are learning how to be functioning humans at the same time, which doesn't always right. make for really healthy, solid relationships, which is why we see playground drama and all of that. Um, but having them practice those relationship skills, trust and reciprocity and respect um, with other adults, I just think is a skill set that they can't get at home because the parent-child relationship is just different. And they may not get on the playground because that th- those are developing relationships in a very different way. Does that make sense? So I just yeah. feel like... I feel like they gain something from it, even like you said, if it's a passing relationship. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be the godmother that's there for them their whole life. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think that's another. Key. Well, and the more they learn how to relate to people not in their family and talk to people and ask the right questions and get what they need, like get their needs mm-hmm. met. Yes. It's a yes. safety thing. Yes. I mean, it really is. The more the more people like that helps them practice listening to their instincts. It yep. helps them have more of a web of people. I was just thinking about the other day when um, Owen, when we first started kind of giving him more freedom to kind of navigate um, the world, mm-hmm. he and his friend Carter, and I think they were like maybe 10 and nine or nine, 10 and 11. I can't remember which, which ages of was which, but um, they tried to walk from our friend Lars and Liz's house home mm-hmm. and got totally, I don't even know what ended up happening, like <laughs> totally off course. Yep. And as they were walking, they were like they were like seeing houses that they recognized. And mm-hmm. they finally ended up finding a house they recognized, went to it. The dad texted one of us and let us know that they were on their way back. And they but like just being able to kind of not only to know someone out in the right. world, but also to feel confident that they could walk up and talk to this adult right. who was not a super close adult. It was just right. kind of like a, a, a person in their village. Right. Um, that just took sort of a level of comfort with someone who's not mom and dad. Yep. Uh, that that you get through practice. Like, yes like flexing a muscle. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing is, um, my kids live a pretty sheltered life. I mean, I, it's just, we're kind of pretty vanilla over here, but I feel like the more different kinds of adults my kids meet and are exposed to, um, it just broadens their understanding of what grownups do. What are the different kind of careers that you can have? What does it mean to you know, dress a different way or look a different way. Um, and again, it's just, it happens through practice and exposure. And I think it's, it's a, 
it's a great skill for kids to have, especially in that kind of older kid and tween age. Yeah. Totally agreed. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay. So back to grownups. Um, <laughs> I want to start with a big question, which is extended family. Um, yeah. Because maybe you can, maybe you can just kind of talk about how this has worked in with your kids and your family and maybe even growing up because mine is very, very different. Um, and I think a big question a lot of our listeners have is what if aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa are not close by? So how how has it worked for you and your kids? Because you've had a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're very fortunate in that I do live close to two, you know, two of my three siblings um, and who have kids. Mm-hmm. And so my kids have grown up alongside their kids um, with some of them, like my brother who lives in Minnesota. It's it's harder. It's like a yearly visit, not um a daily mm-hmm. <laughs> occurrence like it is with my brother who lives in town here and his kids. Um, so there's that. I think some of that has been very intentional on my part. And some of it's just been like a happy accident. I mm-hmm. lived in the same town with my sister who has four kids for, um, gosh, a long time, like eight or nine years. And then have now lived in this town 
near John and Jenna and their three kids for 10 years. And when I was living in the Lansing area near my sister, it was my older kids were about her kids' ages. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here, my younger kids are the cousins who live nearby. So some of that was intentional. But I mean, sometimes that's not possible, right? Right. I also have a lot of family um, who aren't anywhere nearby. And John's mom is the only remaining grandparent. She is in Florida a little over half the year. Um, So we don't see or the kids don't see her that much. They see her when she's here. But like it just it just takes more, I guess, planning. So, so let me ask you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel like I'm answering. Except yeah, just to well, say, like the the facilitation is not always that easy. Yeah, and actually, I think that's good for here. Good to hear for people who wish they had extended family close by. Because what I was going to, I guess, hypothesize is just because you have proximity doesn't mean your kid necessarily has this special bond with Aunt Jenna right. or Uncle John. So I'm curious if you have noticed, we've we've done a whole episode about cousins, but I'm kind of more interested in like the aunt and uncle and the reverse, like you with your nieces. Have you, yeah. have you noticed relationships develop that are closer than others where you really can start to see like, okay, this is a really good bond. Ruby and I have theater in common or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Like, oh, right. I forgot. We're not talking about kids and cousins. We're talking about adults. Well, <laughs> I was just tangenting again. That's right. Um, Yeah. So... so I don't know how to say this. I'm going to try to say this in as tactful a way as possible. Okay. Um, my brother is um, like, he's kind of like a force to be reckoned with kind of a person. So like, he's going to have a relationship with my kids, whether they like it or not. That's the only <laughs> way I can put it. Like he, he sees that as an important role in his life is to be this, this man in my kids' lives. And he is going to be now. Does that mean? That each one of them has a special bond with him. No. I mean, some gravitate to him more than others. And that's not, I think that's very natural and normal. Um, But yeah, like that. So some of it is just like continuing to show up, I guess Mm -hmm. is like one thing I would say is like, he's just showing up again and again and again and putting in the work and doing the thing Mm -hmm. that needs to happen. I don't quite operate that way. Like on the flip side, I tend to see that I have certain things in common with certain younger like younger kids in my family and I will try to um, exploit those things and make the most of them like Ruby got into acting so we did a play together Jack Mm -hmm. is into acting I'm directing the second play that I've directed that I'm directing Annie and he's in it um so those kind like I I guess for me it's more like I find the common ground and then try to exploit it Mm -hmm. rather than basically being like um I am going to be a big part of your life no matter what. Now, Mm -hmm. that said, I don't think either one is correct or Mm -hmm. incorrect. I think they're both different ways that you can stay close with someone or keep your influence happening or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like follow through on your obligation, however you see it. Um, Another thing I wanted to point out was in in my house, we've had interesting living situations. I've Mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but my niece lived with us for a year when she was in high school. My nephew um, lived with us for three years when he was a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob has lived with my sister for about six months last year. And he's now just, just last week moved out to Southern California and is living with my stepbrother and his wife. So like, those are also ways to, mm-hmm. um, to like uh, facilitate that or the fact that it was facilitated in the first place allowed that to be. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Did I answer yeah. your question? I feel like I've just been rambling. Yeah. No, I think this is really <laughs> helpful because I, as someone who doesn't have extended family close by for the most part, um, right. I think, and a lot of our listeners are in that camp. It's easy to 
assume that when you do have extended family close by, it's the it's the ideal village. And I think right. what what you have pointed out is it still just depends. It depends on the kid right. and the relationship they build, and it depends on the adult and their availability to you know be an aunt or uncle to that kid. So it's not it's not easy or necessarily natural. It's still right. just a complicated family picture. So it, 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 that, exactly like, and I, I don't want it. Like, I don't want it to seem like we have such a Mayberry situation over here where like everyone loves everybody all the time and no yeah. one's ever annoyed with anybody. And all of my kids love their aunt and uncle equally. And like, right. that's the place they'd love right. to be more than any place. I mean, no, they're, they're kids. Like they all have preferences. They also go in and out of phases. Um, yeah. I've noticed that sometimes they want to spend more time with one or the other. And it's, it, it's all just is. I just feel like we're kind of coming at it from the um, baseline belief that this should be something like that. This mm-hmm. is something we want. Yeah. And so we're making it happen. But at the yeah. same time, we've got I've got other extended family with whom it would be really difficult to have that kind of influence over their kids lives. Yeah. And that's OK, too. Like, yeah, it's just but- different. It yeah. It is absolutely OK. And just as someone who has most of the family living far away, I will say it's definitely still possible for your kids to have that kind of special one on one relationship with sure. an aunt or uncle or grandparent, even if you only see them a couple of times a year. And that happens. Well, yeah. In, in some ways, I think it's easier, honestly, mm-hmm. because it's because just like I said earlier, you notice the specialness of it more when it's special. Right. And so you try harder, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like. When we see when my brother comes to town for three days a year with his family, I put in more concentrated effort Mm -hmm. to talk to each of the kids to like kind of find out what they're up to. It's in some way it's not easier, but in some ways it just um, you're you're setting aside that time to make it happen. That's the whole point of why you're getting together. And so sometimes, yeah, like I totally agree with you. Well, and and just a final thought, I guess, is that one thing you can be on the lookout for if it's important to you to help your kids cultivate these relationships is just notice some basic personality traits and and where they might have come from from within the family. I think most people can be like, oh, yeah, that reminds me a lot of uncle so and so. And and I think. I think kids benefit from feeling understood. And if there is like a, you know, free spirit artist in your family, who's exactly like aunt so-and-so, you know, maybe you do take the time to have the two of them, give the two of them the opportunity to have a special bond. I know I was always compared to one of my mom's sisters as having an uncannily similar personality and certain traits. And and we loved that over the years. We still get teased about it, you know, and and I think that almost facilitated our bond. And some of the things that we share in common are not even the most flattering things about our personality. But I always liked that that was something (laughs) I was like my aunt and in these ways. And it it rooted me in the family. I love that. And I that actually reminds me of being a kid and being told that I was like an older person always felt super flattering to me. (laughs) It didn't even matter who the older person was like they didn't have to be doing anything particularly special or like an impressive person. Just the fact that someone thought to compare me to an adult to me was always endlessly flattering and interesting. So, yeah, I love that. Um, My this is like a total side story, but my grandma once introduced my aunt and I to someone by saying, this is Sarah. She and Shelly are a lot alike. They both have a really short fuse. And we were like, <laughs> thanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yes, being compared or being being matched up with family members, I think, I think it benefits everyone. And it, and it may facilitate that special relationship. Yep. 
Um, well, so a couple obvious ones would be teachers and coaches and, you know, the extracurricular, the dance yeah. teachers and the gymnastics coaches. Um, the one thing I wanted to say about this is it's while they're really important relationships for your kids and they are some of the relationships really important for trust and, you know, learning to separate from mom and dad and all of that. It's a little different than some of what we're talking about in that a teacher has a professional and moral obligation right. to keep keep a keep relationships fairly similar between 30 kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so while it is an important relationship and by all means, you want your kids to trust their teachers and to feel like they can go to them and you'll have teachers over the years that your kid really has a special bond with. um, I think there is, it's limited in a way because they have, teachers have have to to keep a distance. They have to. to, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if your kids have ever had teachers where the relationship has sort of stayed beyond when they were in that class. But I can remember that in high school feeling like I, I knew I had like a really great bond with a teacher and it was almost it was almost made more sense to sort of stay in touch with them after I was in their class rather than, you know, was it was not going to ever be like a special friend when I was in there. Right. Class. Yeah. No, I, I I had teachers like that that I I guess almost felt like and looking back, it's like I felt like I had some special relationship with them. But that may have just been in my head. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think yeah. some teachers are really skilled at helping kids all feel that way. Right. Or recognizing something in you where you feel like you have this relationship, but actually you really didn't. Because I was mm-hmm. about to name like a teacher or two. And then I thought, wait, I never actually like went back to them after, you know, and you hear about kids going back and yeah, after they graduate and talking to their elementary school teachers, I never did any of that. It's just in my head, I was sort of special. Right. To this this teacher. And I don't know if it was real. Like, I, I don't know if that was just me. I did. But you know what the difference might be is our birth order. I, I remember going back and visiting teachers, but that's because I had younger siblings and oh, my mom right. was at the school and you were the last yeah. to leave. I so that might last. just be a, a, a circumstantial difference. And I am um, Facebook friends with some of my high school teachers. Oh, you are? I think and I'm, actually I, elementary school teachers. Yeah. I know. My so sister, that's kind of cool. It's my cool to see them as friends with her kindergarten teacher on Facebook. It's cool Wouldn't to see them be? as like you know, fellow adults yeah. and not like authority. And yeah, this is a total side comment, but I am always blown away at most teachers ability to remember like hundreds and hundreds of I know. students. Yeah. Like, and I think in most cases they genuinely do like they might need help jogging a name or, or a yeah. year, but how I really think, and I, I mean, I know Jenna's a teacher and I don't know how they do. I mean, that's hundreds of kids. Yeah. Hundreds. When we're out, she's always running into people oh, yeah. who have been her former students. And, you know, often they're years older. She teaches at a, an eighth grade. So like kids change a lot after yeah. eighth grade. And so sometimes yeah. it takes her a minute to figure it out. And it's always funny to her to try to see if the kid recognizes her. And like yeah. half the time they do and half the time they don't. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, this is a cute little story about Clara's her her second grade teacher kind of saved her her love of school. She did not have a great first grade experience. And then she got the teacher she wanted in second grade. Nice. And just loved her. And she said the other day, like, I'm going to write her a letter and wrote her a letter. And then, you know, she still sees that teacher pretty often. They're right. still in the same school, but she dropped it off in her classroom. And then the teacher probably on her lunch break wrote Clara back this like really nice letter Aww. about how like this letter, like your letter was the best thing about my day and just like all this cool stuff. Yeah. And so I think sometimes it's just those little things yep. that, you know, it's like probably not going to be an ongoing relationship no. forever, but She'll never forget that. You know, that was special to her. Kids so. kids want to be noticed and want to mm-hmm. feel like they're not 
lost in the crowd. And so that's maybe why the teacher relationship is a little problematic because there is a crowd. But also, (laughs) if you notice that your kid has a special kind of affinity for a particular teacher or coach or piano teacher or whatever, I do think there are little ways that you can encourage that. And one of them might even just be suggesting like, why don't you make, you know, draw her a picture, write her a card Um, and sort of teaching kids how to take the next step in, you know, developing that relationship, obviously in the most appropriate way, but like just... I think, you know, I like you. I think you're special. Yeah. I'm going to write you a letter. I think that's and, great. And I have often, if if one of my kids says something really nice about a teacher, I will text or call or um, email that teacher and yeah. let them know. I think that those are just nice things to do. Oh, and, definitely. You know, and they're always very appreciative. And I think then it does, even though it's coming from me and not from my kid, I think it does help the relationship a little bit. Yes, so. agreed. Yeah. Um, well, I this is another obvious one obvious one, but babysitters and nannies and caregivers can be really, really important relationships for your kids. I have noticed as my kids have gotten a little older and babysitters are more fun, like they don't have to change diapers and just keep everyone alive. But my my kids genuinely enjoy having babysitters come now. And the pressure's off me to, I don't have to explain everything to babysitters anymore. It's pretty just walk in the door and I walk out and they can figure it out because my kids are getting older. And that's, I think, when the relationships really start to be fun. Um, so that's, that's another one. It's just, there's no way to make that happen, but if you really like the sitters and the nannies in your life, treat them well, pay them well, keep them coming back because those are, you know, as your kids get older, they might confide in that sitter or that nanny, something that they don't feel like they can tell you. And that's, that's giving your kid a trustworthy adult right in the home that they can, you know, rely on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Um, so, oh, how, how, how are your kids relationships with their friends' parents? Yes. I, this, I like this one. Um, this is another one where I felt like I've had some cousin envy or some, um, extended family envy. Cause one of the things I love about like family setups like yours is like the kids are just used to being around their aunts and uncles or their close family friends. And, you know, like we talked about at the top of the show, the, the adults can reprimand or whatever, you know, just tell kids yeah. to give them a correction um, without it being weird. And so I guess early in motherhood, I really appreciated when we had a few sets of friends where the parents of my kids' friends could put them to bed at night or wipe their butt right. like we talked about. So that I think has been a really important one. Um, we have down the street a family whose daughter is really, really into dance and she's a little older than Allegra. So she's not necessarily my kid's friend, but she's my friend's kid, if that makes sense. Um, yep. And she and I have a special bond just because of the dance connection. And she, you know, when she got her first pair of point shoes, she ran down the street to show me and I oh. showed her how to sew them and things like that. So I think the the parents of your kids' friends and the kids of your friends, that's another, you know, way to kind of create that village or manufacture that. If, if it's not aunts and uncles and cousins, it can be found in your, just in your social community. Yeah, I love that. Um, that reminds me, of, we talk a lot about other parents. I want to throw out the notion that there are probably lots of adults in your life that aren't parents, but who would yes. be like really great uh, role models or relationships for your kids to have. A couple that pop into my head. Um, my friend Jeff from Chicago has spent a lot of time with my boys, especially um, mm-hmm. my neighbor, Katie, who yeah, was a couple doors down, has that. spent tons of time. And she was, you know, she's been someone I can call in a, in a pinch and say, hey, can Clara come down and hang out with you for an hour? I've got yeah. something I've got to do or, you know, something like that. When my sister um, had a medical emergency, she mm-hmm. stepped in and was able to help out right away. And so it's just like, you know, it doesn't always have to be like your kids 
your kids, friends, parents, yeah. or, or your mom friends or whatever. Sometimes like just because someone doesn't have kids doesn't mean they don't want to have a relationship with yours. In fact, Absolutely. they may want it more than anything. And so. it would just adds to that diversity and richness yep. of your kids experiencing. Not everyone is a mom. Like, you know, right. not everyone. Right. Um, oh, some people don't have kids. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the final example I'll offer is something that I just think was cool. When my sister was growing up, um, she had a tight knit group of friends. And I think when they were like, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, the moms all decided that they needed like a cool college age kind of mentor who was not a mom. And so they actually found this girl and my sister can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was in, in college to be a counselor. So she was studying to do, you know, group therapy and counseling. And they basically had her come be like run informal group sessions with my sister and her friends when they were in their preteen years, purely like it was not it was like she was just their cool college age friend. And it was like really mm. low stakes. She wasn't lecturing them about anything, but it created a safe space as they went into teen years where they had this 22 year old ally who. Right. And and, you know, it was a very cool relationship. So if that's not built into like your churches and your youth groups and whatever, you can you can create that for your kids. I think that's a really cool. Option. I love that. I have to say the theater community is something like that for yeah. my kids. Um, a lot. I end up doing shows with young adults and teenagers and whether my kids are actively involved in those um, productions or just kind of hanging around because I have something to do with it. They've made a lot of and theater kids are just nice kids. Yeah, uh, you know, they're just yeah. nice kids. And they uh, have learned a lot. And just like now they have these like kind of bigger sibling type relationships yeah. with people who aren't their brothers and sisters. But who will be adults soon or are still or are young adults. So yep. those are also like, you know, an organization or like an activity yeah. that's multi-age yes. is a great way um, to find those people as well. And not to focus on the negative, but if something is happening that's that's scary and bad with your kids, you want as many of those trustworthy type of people around because yep. you don't know who your kid is going to feel most comfortable talking to you. And yep. the fact that it's not you might feel like a ding at first, but then the fact that they have others to go to, I think is the big win. So yep. it might not Absolutely. be you, but let there be others, I guess. So it's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, I agree. Well, we need to direct people toward our very new uh, more than mom episodes. Yes. So I don't know um, if we've, if we've been here, I know we've been doing getting a lot of social media engagement on those. Yes. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Because we did one on 90s, 80s and 90s beauty products and everyone <laughs> People wanted could to not resist but to weigh in. But then nice I have thing, to oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say I have to um, let everyone know that I did get some Noxema. I ordered it on Amazon and it nice. showed up today. So I can't wait to start using it. Well, the nice thing about these is we have also heard from people that they really want us to stick to parenting topics. So that's why we kind of separated them out. So if you're not into us talking about non-mom, non-parenting stuff, you can just skip them. But I think most people are really enjoying them. So there should be two in your feed now, one on beauty products and one on social media. Um, and then they will continue at least a couple times a month, if not more, um, until you guys tell us otherwise. But no, yeah. I think they're I think they're going over well. Um, they're also just casual chats. We don't promise to give you any useful information. Nope. whatsoever so you got to be in that mode <laughs> which assumes we do give you useful information in our regular episodes <laughs> try, which is least. debatable um so this is my official last call for our survey i know i've been beating the horse that is our listener survey um and so many of you have taken it if you've been meaning to and life has gotten the best of you there's still time so just look for the link at the momhour.com that we only do a survey every couple of years and it helps us it helps us in so many ways just just do it yeah. it's a huge favor to us. And then finally, um, just stay with us because Katie and I have a fun segment coming up next. 
Hey guys, it's Sarah here, and I am here with Katie Addis. Hey, Katie. Hi, Sarah. Long time no talk. I know. It has been a while. So Katie is on with me to bring us a success, a struggle, and a discovery. I always mix up the order. But basically, what's going on with her in her life as a mom of two little kids who are three and one? If you're a new listener, this happens about once a month, and it's a great way, um, since Megan and I have older kids, to kind of remember those struggles and also celebrate the successes. And a lot of our listeners are right in the same range as Katie is. So it's really fun for them. And I know people love this segment. So take it away, Katie. Don't worry, Sarah. There's no order, actually. I mix up the order myself. Today, I'm going to start with a struggle. And this struggle, I think, has a success on the horizon. That struggle is I have been undergoing major, major dental restoration since August of 2017. Here it is, March 2018. And even before the major dental restoration started in August, I had braces before that for about 18 months. So I mean, talk about a pregnant woman who wants to make her life more difficult. If you are out there, um, just get braces. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I feel like I'm close to this. Though. My husband has was not pregnant, obviously, but he had braces in his 30s. Um, Megan had braces as an adult. She's oh, told you. I did not. Uh-huh. Oh, I and, forgot. Yeah. And then um, when I was growing up, my mom actually had braces at 33. And I think she might have been pregnant with my sister. So she was also pregnant in braces. So I, yeah, I know it's not totally the normal timeline, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, I got a tooth pulled in August and it was one of my front teeth. And I mean, everybody's probably just jaw dropped. Like what? You're one of your front teeth. I mean, you guys, it's an important one. It's one that you would not ever in. I mean, you wouldn't wish it against your worst. Unless you're seven, you should not be missing a front tooth. Yes. So it was one of those. And it all traces back to a bad accident that I had when I was 18, freshman in college. And um, basically, it has come back to haunt me so many years later. And um, I'm literally at the, at the tail end of this whole process. I had a fit for new a new set of, of two top teeth yesterday. And I was just telling Sarah this morning, she was like, "How how's your dental stuff going? And I said, you know, I just don't know how much to accept in terms of imperfections that I just keep on scrutinizing and finding these, you know, new imperfections like, ooh, I don't know about the hue of this color and ooh, the gum line is just not like it used to be. And I was telling her that it's actually a great metaphor and kind of analog for accepting your body post motherhood because there are imperfections that probably you know, obviously none of us are perfect. We had imperfections prior to motherhood, but motherhood definitely takes those imperfections and just blows them up times 10. Um, and we can keep on identifying all these imperfections, but to what extent are we going to pursue getting better and better and more perfect? And um, it's a hard answer to come to. And I haven't, I can't say that I've completely surrendered um, wanting better and, you know, more aesthetic perfection. I, I cannot say that I am off that pursuit, but it's just um, a struggle. I mean, it's hard, hard to know when to stop. 
Yeah, no, I think that I think that is a really good point. Katie was telling me about this earlier, and I was like, that should be your struggle. That's a really not everybody's going through major dental work, but anytime you're given the opportunity or you have to like examine your physical self, like whether it's like a weight loss, weight gain, like we're so much harder on ourselves than other people are. Katie looks great, by the way, you guys. She has a beautiful smile, but it is like I know exactly what you mean. Like there's the perfect smile, which is like this shade of white with teeth that look like this, and then there's like the 35 year old mom of two kids who has a healthy mouth. And like there is, there's a certain amount of, um, I don't know, acceptance is not even the word I'm looking for, but um, coming to terms with, you're not going for a, a perfect aesthetic. You want to look like you. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't use the word perfect, but I guess what brings me perspective is thinking about before my accident, how, quote unquote, perfect really were my teeth. And prior to children, how, quote unquote, much better was my body, you know? Um, But despite that perspective, it nonetheless is a struggle. And um, I, you guys just looking ahead, this is not an invitation to, to scrutinize my smile, but I am looking forward to, you know, four to five weeks from now, just being able to not have such an extent of self-consciousness around my smile and mouth. Like I am so happy to just have a conversation close up to your face, not awkwardly close, but close up enough where I do not feel like, oh gosh, are they looking at the discoloration of my two teeth? Can you tell that it's, you know, all of this stuff. Four weeks from now, I, I will not have that as heavy of a mental burden as I do now. Well, that's awesome. Um, And that is a lot. It's just a lot to go through. Like any any major medical thing. It's a lot of appointments and all that. So glad you're almost at the end. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So we're moving on to a hack, actually, not a discovery. And I got this hack from Coffee and Crumbs. But if you don't listen to that, um, here here it is. And it is a great one. I just actually gifted this hack to a friend the other day and they were, their life was much better after that. So what I do is um, I will make mass batches of peanut butter and jelly. That is our go-to lunch these days. Even though it's kind of a nightmare, Luke will eat his, my 18-month-old will eat his PB&J open-faced because of course that's the, I don't know, more sensory rich way to eat your PB&J. But I will literally buy a whole two loaves of bread at the grocery store every week. And one loaf will be for toast and stuff in the morning. And then the other entire loaf on one morning or one night, I will just go through the entire loaf and make PB&Js, cut it in fours, stick them in a baggie and freeze them. And it is just a, a time saver. I mean, when it comes to running out in the morning, I will just bring those bags with us. And it's just honestly has saved so much time and the decision making of, well, what are we going to have for lunch? Well, I know what the answer is. That's so great. Um, well, first of all, shout out to coffee and crumbs. Cause that's a great hack. And if you guys don't listen to their show, you should. Um, but my question is how, like how long do they take to thaw if they're in the freezer? When do you have to remember to take them out? Okay. So, um, well you should probably, you could take them out the night before or the morning of, Anna Lee, my three-year-old, is not picky. She will eat it kind of frozen. It's almost like a PB&J popsicle, and she has no problem with that. Luke is a little more particular, and so 
I really should thaw it out probably sooner than I do, but I just stick it in my purse like before we leave, let's yeah. say for the library and it takes maybe an hour. Yeah. So life thaws it out as you go about your day. That yeah. makes sense. You could also do the fridge because they're not going to go. Yeah. I mean, for a few days, they would be fine in the fridge, mm-hmm. I would think. Oh, yeah. Um. Awesome. Okay. What's next? Okay. So as far as the success goes, we in our community have begun a little co-op. And I am so excited about having the prospect of a three-hour block that is all to myself when I'm not on duty to watch a group of kids. I mean, I guess to back up, if you don't know how a co-op runs, it's basically a group of caregivers that are parents um, that watch each other's kids all in one um you know, like all the group of kids goes to one house and one parent is on duty per week. And if you have enough people, I mean, you can get to a place where you're only on duty to watch the group of kids once every four to six weeks. Um, Right now, we only have three parents, but we've got lots of people in the wings who are eventually going to build into our co-op. I guess one co-op caveat is it's easiest to have within the toddler range of age um, when kids are on one nap. I feel like when you've got babies doing the two nap a day, there's a greater range of, oh, well, my baby goes down at this time or that time. Um, But it's it's free childcare. These are people that I've kind of cultivated relationships with for the last year and a half. Um, So I feel a level of trust where we've been in each other's homes. And I mean, I feel so lucky to be in a community where I've even been able to find parents like these that I trust like that. Um, But it's going to be and it's it's free. It's free. Yeah, that is really genius. Co-ops are such a good idea. Um, I'll just offer one twist on that that I did with my friends at that stage because we, our schedules were a little bit less aligned. And like you said, our, our baby ages and stuff, we didn't quite have the setup for a structured scheduled co-op, but we did um, a token system where there was a certain amount of little, I think they were like poker chip type tokens. Um, each with was like worth 15 or 30 minutes of childcare. And then we would ask each other to watch our kids, you know, based on availability, but you would pay each other in tokens. And what that did was it just sort of kept a balance of like, if you, if you had a ton of tokens to your name, it meant like you hadn't asked around in a while. and like, you deserve a day out because your friends had had your back. Does that make sense? So yes. like it put a currency around it. Um, that, that that people could then spend to cash in within the group. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's like that Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> except in tangible form between parents. And so, yeah, if you were, if you didn't have any tokens, it mean you'd, it meant you had been, you know, accepting the help more than you'd been giving it. And if you had a ton of tokens, it meant like, Hey, I should plan a day out because I have favors to cash in with my friends. And the truth is we all wanted to help each other anyway, but it just put a little bit of, it removed some of the guilt because you felt like you were you were quote unquote paying in a currency that could be redeemed. It was like store credit, (laughs) store credit at the store of we watch each other's kids. I love that. Not only the guilt, but then also there is maybe a little bit of stress that comes with the structure of, oh, I know it's every Friday, so my kid better be healthy by the time Friday rolls rolls around. So I love that token system. We may have to implement that. Yeah, you could for especially like above and beyond. If you decide to do like above and beyond, you need help. You ask them to watch your kids, but then there's a way to a way to pay. 
All right, you guys. Well, um, Katie will be back with us in a month or so. Everything we talk about is always at themomhour.com. And Katie, thanks for being here. Thank you. Bye, Sarah. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.